Blog Talk Radio. Good morning, pet people, and welcome to the Pet Place Radio Show on KJAZZ 88.1 FM. I'm your host, Marie Hewa, and I thank you for tuning in. Now, last week, as you probably recall, I invited Robert Masseri, the president of Guardians of Rescue, to be on the program. But as is often the case with folks involved in this type of work, he had an emergency involving a dog right as we were set to start our interview, so of course, taking care of this dog was the priority. But he's back and ready to chat with us today about his incredible organization that helps both our returning troops and dogs. You're going to love hearing about this. Then after our halftime break, Gila Kurtz from Dog Is Good has some wonderful news about a project called Bolo that is raising awareness about the remarkable work guide dogs do for people every day. So keep your radio tuned to KJAZZ 88.1 FM, and we'll be back in a quick moment. We're back on the Pet Place Radio Show, and here now to talk about a great organization is Robert Masseri from Guardians of Rescue. Good morning, Robert, and welcome to the Pet Place. Good morning. How are you? I'm very well, thank you, and I'm so excited that you're here because I've been reading about all the great things that your organization does. So first of all, tell me a little bit about how the Guardians of Rescue got started and what you do. Well, it was started in 2010. Um and with like-minded people who uh, knew that there was a lot of gaps in areas that we've experienced, um, such as bringing dogs back from Afghanistan uh, for our U.S. troops. Uh, Are you t- talking about military dogs or, or dogs no, that these, befriend the troops over there? These are dogs that befriend the troops. Okay. Um, <clears throat> they... Uh, they wander onto the camps, and uh, generally they have they have to become scavengers uh, because there's no food source there. Wow. And generally, people do not feed them. Um, not only the American troops, but the Allied troops do feed them, so they do get that uh, that self of security. So they do go onto these camps, and then they become their battle buddies. They sleep with them. Uh, the soldiers share their foods, uh, their supplies. <clears throat> they go out on tour with them. Wow. They give them that self of home feeling. So it probably that, really increases morale for them. Tremendously, tremendously. And I and, bet the bond is huge when you're under those kind of stressful circumstances to have an animal and and to to have it be your constant companion and then to have to leave it in a situation where it might not be cared for, that that's probably an awful situation. It's a real tough situation, especially when they get that call that they're closing camp and they have to move on or they have to uh, come back to the States. And now this dog has become westernized. Um, <clears throat> and there is, they're in a remote part of the world, uh, and this dog now has to go fend for herself. And the military won't bring these dogs back then? No, it's not accepted. Um, generally, it's not even accepted uh, to bring a, uh, a stray dog onto a camp, but it's it's kind of overlooked um, 
they realize the value of it. Oh, wow. So a soldier will reach out to us via their family and tell us this is what's going on and what can we do. And then we step in and we uh, we have a partner organization uh, in Afghanistan called Nowzad, and we work the logistics out to get that dog from the camp to a shelter in Kabul, and then we start the process. Well, is there a lot of red tape involved in bringing a dog over? <clears throat> well, there is. Uh, you can't export an animal directly out of Afghanistan, so the dog has to be flown at some point to Dubai. Okay. And then we go through another series of inspections and quarantine, and so it, it, it gets a little hectic. And then we have to have a lot of paperwork in order when they arrive here in the United States. Okay. And then do they have to go under quarantine again once they get here? No. Oh, that's good. That's no, they're good. total free citizens. Oh. <laughs> And do they go back to the soldiers who cared for them? Would you say that again? Do they go back to the soldiers oh, who yes. cared for them while they were Oh, yeah. Yeah, that, that's, that, that's the great moment. Oh, wow. I bet you have some, some great stories about reunions. Oh, oh, it's amazing. I heard a dog, uh, I heard a story about a dog named Sheba. Can you tell our listeners a little bit about that story? Well, Sheba... Um, was a dog that uh, wandered onto a camp, uh, very sick, very skinny, um, and uh, they immediately took her in. They started feeding her, and not realizing she was pregnant, she gave a litter of seven pups. Wow. And they all survived. And every one of the veterans, the soldiers, uh, you know, took time to take care of her. Aww. Uh, some even... <laughs> Not only during the day, but they changed shifts so people would be up during the night to make sure she was okay. Wow. Uh, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. And, that uh, is so sweet. I can picture this. They It became just a, an amazing morale booster for them. And, uh, again, they got word that they were going to completely close up their camp. Uh, they were in a remote part of uh, Afghanistan, <clears throat> and... Sheba would have never made it on her own, or the pups. Mm -hmm. uh, there's no food source there. And have uh, being inside that type of establishment, um, once she left there, she would have been just walking around on her own. Oh, um, that is just, so sad. It would have been very sad. Well, how did you rescue her? Well, we we uh, we got the call. They reached they they reached out to a school teacher. Ironically, um, in the same county. As uh, as where we were located, and she knew of us, and she reached out to us, and she told us about the situation, and then we immediately contacted them, and uh, we were able to get uh, her and all her pups to safety, and then about forty something days later, they were here in the United States. Oh, and and did all the puppies go to different soldiers? Yes, they did. Oh, that is really cool. Do you have a website that has some of the photographs? I'm sure our listeners, I, it's great to talk about it on the radio, but we seeing do. pictures. Um, it's guardiansofrescue.org. Oh, that is so cool. I'm going to go check that out myself when we're all done here. <laughs> and uh, on our Facebook as well, which is, of course, Guardians of Rescue. That's wonderful. And I know you do a lot more than just rescuing the dogs in Afghanistan. I understand that you also help returning troops who are dealing with post-traumatic stress disorder. 
It became a uh, a program based off of a dog that came back from uh, Afghanistan by the name of Tommy, who was rescued by a soldier in Afghanistan, but was um, in special forces and was going to remain in that region, but did not want to leave that dog in peril. So we brought Tommy and other dogs back, and Tommy went to a, a soldier by the name of John Wallace, who lived in Afghanistan, served in Afghanistan a few years earlier, and never knew we existed and had to leave three dogs behind. Aww. And it, it's it's frightened him, and it's hurt. it's been a very weighing very heavy on him ever since. So when he imagine. found out that we were bringing these dogs back and one of them uh, did not have a soldier attack, he, attached, he immediately adopted Tommy. Wow. <laughs> yeah. That is very cool. And, and it I know that life. that I I bet it did change his life. You know, when animals are paired up with people who are dealing with symptoms of PTSD, they really do work wonders. I mean, they're miracle workers for lack of another term. I mean, that really is what they are. After we place a emotional support or service dog with a veteran, um, it's, it is a such a great feeling knowing that uh, that person's life really changed. And the way we know it and how we know it is they, they send us texts of photos of them at the park or they'll open up a Facebook page for the first time ever. Um, uh, normally they would be afraid of being out there socially. And uh, their wives and their family would call us and tell us how much change is in this person's life. So we know it works. We truly know it works. Isn't that amazing? <clears throat> and, and, and people who have dogs, they just blossom. They really do. And when they're dealing with the terrible things that they've seen overseas, being in the military, that I, I can't even imagine what they're going through when they come back. So to have these dogs help them get over the hump and help them get back into real life and mingling and having fun and reaching out. And dogs are huge conversation starters. We've talked about this on the show before. So if you have a dog and you get out there, people want to come talk to you. They want to pet your dog. So you can't help but interacting with others. No, it's 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 an amazing uh, therapeutic uh, venue for anybody who is looking regardless of what they're suffering from. Um, That's very cool. And it's, time after time has proven, uh, you know, to be uh, a very powerful tool. Absolutely. And I understand you also help military families care for their pets while they have uh, people serving in active duty. Yeah, we try to keep the families together. Um, so if somebody is deploying <clears throat> and uh, needs help, um, we either try to find Forrester or they may have a vet issue where they have um, limited funds. And we would uh, pay for their vet expenses, um, or they moved and they are moving into an area where there's no fence. We'll put a fence up around their property for the dog. So our goal is to try to keep that animal in the family. And when that, that, that service member returns, that pet is still with the family. Okay. Well, it's really important to me to shed light on organizations like yours, but from what you're telling me, it sounds like this is a very cost intensive project and I'm wondering do you need funds would it help if people contacted you and and donated to help with the cause well there's no question we we are a um, all-volunteer based organization and we literally uh, go from week to week 
and we uh, don't have a uh, significant fundraising mechanism in place. Um, we survive by just, you know, sweating and, 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 and tears on, on many of these projects. Uh, we have so many dogs waiting, um, and so many veterans that need to be placed with them, mm -hmm. um, that need to come out of shelters. And if we had more money, we can place more dogs with uh, veterans. Well, how so, can yes. our listeners help if they wanted to? Well, the easiest way is to go to our website and uh, donate. Uh, we have several donate buttons up there. Let's give uh, your website out one more time. It's guardiansofrescue.org. Guardiansofrescue.org. That's a very easy one to remember. Yes. <laughs> Robert, your organization is doing such remarkable work, and I wish you continued success. Thank you so much for stopping by the Pet Place today and sharing this, all of this with us. Thank you for having me today. We need to take a quick break now, but don't go away because we'll be right back with more of the Pet Place Radio Show on KJAZZ 88.1 FM. Welcome back. You're listening to the Pet Place Radio Show on KJAZZ 88.1 FM. I'm Marie Hewlett, and joining me now is Gila Kurtz from Dog is Good. Welcome to the Pet Place, Gila. Thank you so much. I appreciate you um, talking with me today. Hey, I first heard about Dog is Good when I saw a bumper sticker years ago, and I thought it was the funniest thing because it reminded me of an old joke about the dyslexic theologist convention. Yes, and that's kind of where it started, exactly. <laughs> and what is your position with Dog is Good? Um, I am actually one of the co-owners of Dog is Good. My husband is my partner, and uh, I feel quite blessed, believe it or not, to actually have the opportunity to um, work with him. Most people can't be with their spouse 24-7, but I'm, I'm fortunate in that um, I actually enjoy it. I, I can't speak for him and share maybe the same sentiments, but nonetheless, um, I am the co-owner along with him. Oh, that's wonderful. And and what does Dog is Good do? Well, Dog is Good is a lifestyle brand, and it started as a way to really celebrate the dog-human uh, relationship. Uh, where the brand has grown and what we're best known for is our use of humor and poignant sentiments that we um, put make available on a broad array of products, uh, anything from apparel to gift items to home decor and, and more. And it's truly a brand that allows the dog lover to express their incredible love of dogs. And through all of our products, we deliver what we call uh, dog fignugan. It's a word we made up to describe how great you feel when you're with your dog. Oh, okay, and, I get it. <laughs> yeah, when people, when people see our stuff, that's what they think about. It just reminds them how great they feel. Dog oh, that's very cool. And you're personally involved in a, a special program. Can you tell me a little bit about that? Yeah, Dog is Good just embarked on something we are referring to as the BOLO Project. It Bolo. actually launched officially October 1st. What is uh, BOLO? Oh, what does that stand for? BOLO stands for Be On The Lookout, and ah. the tagline for the project is um, One Puppy Will Change the Way You See the World. Oh, okay. That, that's great because this has to do with guide dogs or leader dogs. Exactly. So we were approached by Leader Dogs for the Blind, the uh, philanthropic arm, and asked if we might consider raising a puppy 
I actually happened to be a professional dog trainer, so I knew that I was up to the task as far as the training where I wasn't sure I could handle it was knowing that um, I would have to return the puppy. Oh, I knew because you have them for, oh, is it just a year? I thought it was two years that you worked yeah, with them. Yeah, well, the, the actual um, program involves my training and, and socialization of the pup over the course of a year, 12 to 15 months. Mm-hmm. At that point, the puppy does get returned to leader dogs for the blind where they um, in, undergo their more intensive, specific guide dog training before oh, okay. um, going to a client. That makes sense. Now, after 15 months, if it appears that the dog is not a candidate for being a leader dog, which not all dogs are, what happens at that point? Well, uh, fortunately for us, we do get first right of refusal. So what that means is we'll uh, basically take Bolo back into our home, and uh, we certainly are happy to do that, although she may not, um, she may need a career change, as they refer to it, um, regarding guide dog work, she certainly will be well qualified uh, to uh, participate in any form of therapy or assistance dog work as well, which I would certainly uh, continue to um, share her great uh, services with, with others uh, to benefit others. So you're basically chronicling the experience from the point that you get her to the point you say goodbye and and perhaps even after when you get, do you get to see her be placed with yes, a client? Yes, we do. Um, when that point comes, we will definitely take it all the way through that. And you're right, we, we are documenting the entire process. The, the objective of beginning the project was to create awareness for the role that service dogs play in the lives of people, mm-hmm. um, the positive impact they certainly have in providing independence or enhancement to those individuals' lives. And as uh, in doing so, raise awareness and funds for the Leader Dog for the Blind organization. It's, it's amazing the cost involved in getting one puppy to one client um, for this life-changing experience. So we, we thought it would be a wonderful, um, we, we provided a wonderful um, platform to educate a lot of people about what they do and help raise funds for them. Do you have a website where you have pictures and stories or maybe a blog about what's going on? Yeah, the Bolo Project website is theboloproject.com. You can also get to that through our website, dogisgood.com. And on that, you will have access to the blog, uh, certainly our Facebook and our Twitter, where there's a a whole category of um, pictures and her experiences, and we're blogging about everything from her daily experiences and training uh, through uh, highlighting our fantastic sponsors that have uh, come on board to support our cause and help get the word out. How much does it actually cost to start from day one with a puppy all the way until the full two, two and a half years of training, both with you and with the specialized trainer? Yes, the cost involved in getting a puppy... Um, from a litter direct into the hands of an end client is about $50,000. Wow. Uh, I know. It's it's amazing. Um, The Leader Dog Program covers all expenses for a client, which would uh, be someone who's visually impaired, blind, or deaf and blind. They cover their expenses to come to the Leader Dog Campus for a solid month where they stay and under go the different training that they'll need in order to have the dog, and they work with the dog um, on campus 
throughout that month. So it's very expensive to get the people there. Um, as a puppy raiser, I'm responsible for all of um, the expenses to raise the puppy. Oh, I didn't know um, that. Yes. So okay. I am responsible for that. And, um, you know, we, we know that going into it and we take that responsibility on. So if somebody wanted to do this, like you're doing, they mm-hmm. could potentially start a website that would be like a crowdfunding website where they get all of their friends and family and their friends of friends and everybody else to, to donate to the cause of raising this dog if they wanted to. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And, in fact, that's something that we have done. Um, our initial platform campaign started with Indiegogo, and uh, people can access the campaign through the Dog is Good website or through theboloproject.com. And that is a place where people can go and uh, provide monetary donations ranging from as little as $1 to as much as they want. At each donation level, there are uh, fabulous gifts and prizes oh, and nice. thank yous that have been donated okay. um, to thank those individuals. But we are hoping to raise $25,000 for Leader Dogs for the Blind by the end of October. And I know we're a little behind on that, so we're hoping the word can get out and people will share the link. And if everybody just gave a dollar or $5, it really can add up and make a huge difference. Oh, absolutely. And I know a lot of people are, are big fans and proponents of, of this program, so I wouldn't be surprised if you made your goal. Let me ask you this. Does mm-hmm. a client have to pay for the dog? No. Okay. The client does not have to pay for the dog. Oh, that's so wonderful. the dog is given over to them. Um, into their care, and um, their uh, training and um, the the acclimation period of that 26 days where they're on campus living um, on the in the beautiful facilities there in Rochester Hills, Michigan, um, that is all paid for by Leader Dogs for the Blind, which is supported through donations. Okay. So you say it's in Rochester, Michigan. Does that mean... They support the East Coast, or is this nationwide? Rochester, uh, the Leader Dogs for the Blind organization supports nationwide and internationally as well. Wow. They have clients uh, coming from Spain and Mexico who journey to uh, receive a guide dog um, for, you know, for their life, and they definitely are a national organization, and um, and. The people there are incredibly committed to um, their cause and their mission. That's very And spreading cool. the word. <laughs> okay, so if somebody was in California, for example, and they needed a leader dog and they mm-hmm. were into this program, the program would, pl- would pay for them to fly to the East Coast. Exactly. They pay for the client coming from Mexico, from Spain, from East, uh, Midwest, West Coast, from all over. They cover all the expenses. Oh, that's fabulous. Tell me what has been the most wonderful experience so far raising a little dog. Well, aside from daily exposure to puppy breath, um, <laughs> there's, there's a lot of exciting And who doesn't things. love puppy breath? <laughs> I know. It's really, you know, if you could just capture it and bottle it, you could probably create a fortune. Um, it, it really has just been a, a wonderful experience. I think one of the things that I am noticing and others are noticing as well is the use of the type of training that I do. Um, so I'm a positive trainer, meaning I um, look at what motivates the dog and provide rewards for um, behavior. And she, at 10 weeks of age, is 
amazing in terms of her um, calmness, her ability to settle. She's not doing the unwanted behaviors that many other young puppies might engage in. And so that's been incredibly rewarding. I'll also say, and I'm getting ready to post a blog that I'll probably launch next week, the... Um, she has Southern California has um, ex- is experiencing bolo mania. Wherever we go, people just fall over themselves <laughs> to, um, to get a chance to touch this puppy. She just has that uh, uh, magnetic attraction to all people, and that's been a, a wonderful experience as well. Wonderful. Well, more information is at dogisgood.com. And Gila, I'm so glad you were able to stop by today and talk about the bolo program. Well, I certainly appreciate um, the support and the opportunity to share the information with your audience. Thank you so much. We are very welcome. It's time to take our last break of the morning, but when we return, get set for Pet Place News and Events here on KJAZZ 88.1 FM. Radio Show. I'm Marie Hewlett, and it's time for Pet Place News and Events. How many of you out there are pug enthusiasts? Let's face it, what's not to love about a pug? They look like little Ewoks, after all, and they're so wiggly and happy. But believe it or not, there are a lot of homeless pugs. Fortunately, there is a place that rescues these little cuties. And we need to support them by attending the 15th annual Pugtoberfest at Twinkle Park in Costa Mesa. This is a super fun fundraiser that will include an adopted dog parade, raffles, silent auctions, an adoption fair, vendors, food, and ask the vet booth, ear cleaning, and nail clipping. And I think that's for the dogs, not the people. Admission is just $13 for adults. Kids 5 to 12 years old are just a few dollars less. Seniors 65 and older are $7, and children under 5 are absolutely free. For more information, visit www.pugdogrescue.com. Well, that's all for me today. Remember, pets need love and a home, too. We'll be back next weekend with more of the Pet Place here on KJAZZ 88.1 FM. I'm Marie Hewlett. Please stay or neuter your pets and have a wonderful day. Thank you.